When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Masterclass sessions, including challenging and transformational coaching. Tonight, we take whiskey, jazz, and leadership to the United Kingdom as Rowena Wilde shares insights from Cotswold, England, home of the World Whiskey Award-winning Cotswold Distillery. This is straight talk you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Galen Bingham. And this is the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Cheers. Boy, that's good. Mm. It's no surprise to my listeners or any of my friends that I can make this connection to leadership. But, you know, when I was listening to you describe the effect of music getting on the same vibration, that really does sound like you could have been describing the attributes of an effective leader, making sure that everyone is playing on the same sheet, everyone has the same feeling, that they're not too excited when they should be calm, they're not too calm when they should be excited. It really is for me, the great parallel to what leaders do. It's not my job necessarily to play all the instruments or to sing all the parts, um, but it is my job as a leader to set the tone and to direct the band and to make sure that everyone is bringing in what what they have in order to help us produce what we're trying to produce. And I think there's also an energy that we're that we need to remember as well, the leader is actually directing that energy. So it's, as you said, you know, when there's a time to be calm and consider what needs to be done within the business and reflect for the desired outcomes, calm it down maybe. And when there's time to bring real momentum and performance and actual results then bring up that energy so yeah i like that we're oh. we're on a roll here we're on a roll <laughs> wow so this this is just a little bit of what i got in our small conversation i think we'd scheduled to talk for like 20 minutes at that point and we ended up staying on the, uh <laughs> on our connection for a lot longer than that and it's because of this this shared connection that i have to what you're trying to create there in the UK. Do you have like a a feeling for how, or maybe it even isn't true, if leadership and business is different in the UK than versus what's going on in the United States? Or is that difference just something that we have in our in our mind? I, I think there are going to be differences. Of course there are. There are differences of culture. There are differences in terms of economy and stage of where these businesses want to be. But at the end of the day, you know, with technology taking us where it is, A1 
becoming an, a sort of an emergent disruptor or opportunity, whichever side you sit. For all the differences there are in terms of, of leadership, there's also a lot of similarity. And I think it's not difficult, essentially, to take a leader from an American business and bring them here or vice versa. They may have to take a time to understand some of the cultural differences in the way that people address things or, or, or do things and communicate. But overall leadership at its absolute best is actually a series of pillars that whether you're in America or you're here, that leadership, I think we're, we're all looking for the same thing. A great leader is, first of all, fully self-aware. First of all, aware of their abilities and aware of the areas where they need to go and get the strength and the skills from others to complement the team. A leader is then looking at their people and wanting to make sure their people are motivated and swept with them. My great thing is leaders can't expect respect. Mm. They have to earn it. And they're going to earn it by actually being authentic with the team, communicating with their team, finding the space for the team to work together and getting the deliverables and the outcomes and constantly communicating the successes, not only externally. I think companies are very good at, hey, we've done this, we've, we've earned this, we've delivered this, we're the best in the world for this. But what about that internal team that have been there to deliver it? So a leader has to, to go with the team and build the team. That, for me, I'm passionate about when I'm working with leaders. Ah, fantastic. I, I love the way you said that although there may be differences at its essence, there are more similarities. And I just keep thinking about, you might like Cotswold Gin, <laughs> and I like uh, Old Forester's Whiskey, but we can still have a really, really good conversation about yeah. uh, how leaders can be effective at trying to get from where they are to where they want to be. Gillian, for you, what do you think is the most important resource, personal resource that a leader needs? How, how do you see that? Yeah, yeah. I often have said, and I've written about this, that I think leadership comes down to three essential activities that only the leader can do. Now, the leader can do other things, but only the leader can do these three. The first is that a leader's job is to paint a very clear picture of what winning looks like. What does success look like? What's the vision? Where are we, you know, where are we trying to go? That's the role, that's the responsibility uh, of the leader. Uh, the second thing that a leader does is a leader identifies and removes the barriers that stand in the way of achieving that vision. And uh, those barriers could be access to resource, access to information, access to people. It could be training. It could be a, a number of things. But the leader's job is to identify those barriers and then remove those barriers that stand in the way. And then the third thing that only the leader can do, other people can do this, can do parts of this, but it's the leader's responsibility, 
And that is to inspire other folks to get on board with helping to achieve that vision. Because I don't know if you heard my conversation I had with Greg Strauss, who is another senior vice president, longtime friend, but just amazing, uh, I say frontline to, to boardroom type leader. Uh, he talks about how you know, early leaders, young leaders feel like that they are charged with delivering the results. And I certainly made that mistake when I first started trying to lead teams. I thought my job is to deliver results. And actually it's not, you know, my job as the leader is to create the environment for my team to feel capable of delivering the results. Sorry. I also think the leader has a job to make sure that everyone in that team understands their area of accountability. For me, that's a big piece as well, because you need the vision, you need the strategy, you need to inspire the team. But I think everybody needs to know where is the accountability, Mm. who, who actually is going to deliver which piece of the jigsaw puzzle to bring the whole thing home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's trust, right? How can I trust you if I don't have faith in your ability and your willingness to deliver what we need for you to do? I'm always going to be looking over my shoulder at not only my accountabilities, but yours, if I don't have that trust. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, talking of new leaders, working with new leaders, I find I, I can ask a new leader. So does the team know what's expected of them? What's on the bottom line for them? What is the critical success factor they have to bring home for you? And very often a new leader has not actually communicated that. So unless the team know that, they don't know what they've got to do. Yeah. Beautiful. I've said that most of the time, most people show up to work wanting to do a good job. I don't know that I've ever met anyone who said, well, how can I screw this up today? Most people want to do a good job, but if they don't know what a good job looks like, (laughs) if they don't know what is it to your point, what's expected of them in order to be in that category of that was a good job, they're going to meander around doing what they believe is right, but not knowing whether or not they're actually contributing to the vision of the enterprise. And that's the responsibility of the leader. And then we get into measurement and then we get into allowing your team to fail. How often can you do that? And what happens when failure does hit you? How do we actually address the team there? I find that a very interesting one. I, I don't know how you work around the whole failure piece. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're reminding me of all of these conversations. If you have if you're listening to this and you haven't heard, I think it was my conversation with Tamara McMillan, we call her Mike Drop. She talks about the fact that she considers herself to be a failure fanatic. And I've just fallen in love with that because to your point, failing is really really important. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I've ever been in a situation or seen a situation where someone has done something incredibly well the first time it was easy and they knocked it out of the park. And then they said, well, let's take a step back and see what we can learn from that to do it even better next time. It usually doesn't happen. It usually comes when, oh my God, that didn't go well. (laughs) 
I still don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm not going to do that. So failing is really important. I, I think I talk to leaders about having a considered approach to failure. I mean, nobody wants failure to happen for the sake of failure, obviously. But we have to have, as a leader, a considered approach. If your team is going to fail, how do you measure whether that is going to be acceptable and a learning experience? What do you take from the failure or how do you decide actually, no, this should not have happened and we have to really address the weak link in the chain? So I like to have a considered approach to failure. I think failure can be important in its right place. It can be very important. It can change everything to a positive. So Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you, and I like this, is, you know, obviously failure is important, but you can't have big failures often. What's the acceptable tolerance? Yes, the considered approach, yeah. A considered approach to failing, because we want you to try, we want you to take risks, we don't want you to be irresponsible. That's right. (laughs) And we certainly can't have that same mistake happen three and four different times. Yeah, I think it comes in. I think it's there to play with, but I think it it has its place. So one of the things as we as we start to close this conversation, uh, one of the things I promised to my audience is that as I share with them all the smart folks that I get to hang out with, that we would leave them with one or two things that you believe to be critical to developing a strong leadership capability. So uh, what are two things that you would leave the audience with that if they could just get this right, it might mean the world to their ability to lead other people or even lead themselves? Okay, well, this is an interesting one, I think. This is a quote, and I love it. It says a lot, and you may know it, and it's, In between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And for me, a great leader uses that space to consider the response and to consider all the things we've talked about before they move forward in that response. And if they can really take that space and take a breath and not allow their natural disruptors and everything and the gremlins to make them react in a negative or poor way, then they're working their way up the ladder of great leaders. So that for me. I love that quote. I, I think my clients hear that like every other every other session for me for those of you who are listening you have to have to have to check out Victor Frankel yeah. uh, those are the words that Rowena has just shared and I can't think of a better place uh, for us to end this conversation I'm going to put you on the on the spot and just say I've got to have you back <laughs> we've got to do this again and as soon as the world become sane again, I am going to find my way out to Cotswold so that we can share a, a gin and a whiskey and do this the proper way. 
We are so going to do that, Gaden. We absolutely are. All right. Thank well, with you. that, raise your glass and we're going to cheers. Yeah. It's been a great yeah. conversation. And thank you, Galen. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you. I love hearing your nuggets of experience and thoughts. It's, it's lovely. Thank you very much. All right. Fantastic. Until next time, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.